And hallelujah indeed. Well, he is risen. All right, you may have a seat, everyone. Good morning and welcome to Lakeland. Welcome, especially those of you who are guests for the first time. We're so glad you're here, and we hope you encounter something of God while you're here with us this morning. On this, the holiest day of the Christian year, Easter Sunday. Um, so I, I, I don't know what you came here for Easter, but I, I, I know you're going to be super excited about this. We're going to start with a math lesson. Yay! Right? Of all the things you thought you were going to do on Easter morning, I bet, I bet geometry was right at the top of the list, right? Okay, let's begin. A squared plus B squared equals C squared. Pythagorean theorem, somebody shouts out. Very good. Pythagorean theorem tells you the lengths of the sides of a right triangle. I remember learning this many times in school. And groaning along with the entire class, those words which every math teacher loves to hear so much, when will I use this in my everyday life? You ever remember saying that? Well, then fast forward several years to building my daughter's nursery. Here is the daughter, or here is the nursery we built for the daughter. Well, thank you, yes. Underneath that tree branch, though, there is a two-by-four that I could not get the length right on so that it would marry up to the ceiling and the side of the tree. After wasting several boards trying to eyeball it, I realized that the ceiling and the trunk of the tree are forming a right triangle. And what I'm trying to do is to create the opposing side. A squared plus B squared equals C squared, and the nursery was finished. Do we have any math teachers here in the room this morning or former math teachers? Okay, we're going to say something that was a long time in coming. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry. I had no idea how often I'd be using this and many other things that you said in my everyday life. Now, what does all of this have to do with Easter Sunday? Well, I want to take you to another classroom. This time I'm in fifth grade. I have no idea what prompted my fifth grade teacher to say this, but I do remember, here's what she said. She said, you know, kids, we don't need our bodies after we die. They're just like a spacesuit for this life that we get to take off when we go to heaven. And that is pretty well how I thought about it until I was in my 20s. And now, uh, then I was at uh, studying biology at Avila University. Hey, there's a few. All right. Back then, Avila College. Go Eagles. Back then, go Avalanche, which is very hard to represent as a mascot. (laughs) So there I am studying the complexity of the natural world and all of the detail that God put into everything. And what I can't figure out is Why? If when we die, we lose this physical body, if at the end of the world, all creation is destroyed, why did he put so much energy and creativity into even the smallest thing? And here on Easter morning, we have another why question, and it has to do with the resurrection of Jesus. What does Jesus rising from the tomb in a body have to do with me shedding my spacesuit and going to heaven? 
Now, I've had a lot of time over the last 10 years to study these scriptures and to study Christian history. And I have come to the conclusion that my fifth grade teacher, God lover, was wrong. But she's not nearly the only one. I mean, it seems like for a very long time in human history, actually before Jesus, before Jesus, humans got the idea that this world is a, a shadow, an illusion, a test. And they imagine that somewhere else in the universe, there's this other dimension, and, and that's the real universe. And the real universe is a spiritual place without bodies and without food and without work. And, and that's where God lives. And so those who pass the test here get to go to the real universe there. And that ancient pagan idea has never left us. It's lasted all the way up until today. In fact, I bet half of you sitting here kind of think like that. Through no fault of your own, everyone has said it's that way since the early human history. My fifth grade teacher said it was that way. I thought it was that way until not so very long ago. But I say that you only kind of think that way because there are probably about three times a year when you encounter something in that belief and it makes your record scratch. <laughs> there you are, you're singing a happy tune, you know, this world is a test and someday I'll fly away, lordy, lordy, I'll fly away. And then something has you reading Genesis chapter 1 where God makes humans from the same stuff that he makes the earth from, and he calls them very good. How can he call them very good if they're in their bodies? And why do they already have bodies for the big test if they haven't sinned yet? If they were born for eternal life, as we're told they are, then why weren't they born as spirits without bodies? And why when God walks with them, is he walking on the earth with them in the garden? So all of a sudden, the Bible becomes this puzzle pieces that aren't fitting together, and we scratch our head, and we try to think of a way, okay, the bodies and the garden and heaven and the fall, and after a while, we just kind of go... <laughs> Moving on until you come to the next moment here on Easter Sunday and Jesus is dead and then he, he's raised again and he goes off to heaven? No, he's raised again with a body. He's raised from the dead still in his body. <laughs> and that's called the resurrection. And we're told that the resurrection is the center of Christianity. And if we stop and think about it, we ask the question, why? What's the point? What does being raised on Easter have to do with my passing the test and going to heaven? When will we use the resurrection of Jesus in our everyday life? That's what we're asking this morning. So this morning on Easter morning, let's take a second look at our beliefs. Let's take a second look at these pieces of this scriptural story that don't seem to fit, the things that are 
making our records skip when they come together. And let's see if we can't find the missing puzzle piece that brings all of this story back together again. And we're going to start with our scripture passage for this morning. So if you have your Bible and you want to open to Luke chapter 24, if you have your Bible like on an app on your phone or tablet, that's fantastic. Luke chapter 24, verse 35. If you don't have either of those things, we'll put it on the screen so we can follow along together. Now, last Easter, a year ago, Pastor Dan told us about um, how Jesus appeared to two disciples who were walking on the road to Emmaus, and he, and he uh, broke bread with them. This year, I want to tell you what happened right after that story. Verse 35. Then the two from Emmaus told their story of how Jesus had appeared to them as they were walking along the road and how they had recognized him as he was breaking bread. And just as they were telling it, Jesus himself was suddenly standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. But the whole group was startled and frightened, thinking they were seeing a ghost. (laughs) Why are you frightened, he asked. Why are your hearts filled with doubt? Look at my hands. Look at my feet. You can see that it's really me. Touch me and make sure that I'm not a ghost, because ghosts don't have bodies, as you see that I do. As he spoke, he showed them his hands and his feet. Still they stood there in disbelief, filled with joy and wonder. Then he asked them, Do you have anything to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish, And he ate it as they watched. Do you see what's happening in this passage? The disciples also were expecting Jesus to be done with his body, to be a spirit. But Jesus, always full of surprises, says, Nope, I have a body. Same body. The wounds from the cross, not healed yet. But this must be a very different kind of body because something has happened that doesn't happen to a body every day. Death has been rolled backwards. And this body is built for eternal life. And I love that Jesus eats. And there's a whole verse dedicated to just the phrase, and he ate it while they watched. I imagine everyone's sitting there. (laughs) And Jesus is chomping on fish going, yep, boys, it's a body gets hungry. (laughs) This is what eternal life will look like. Not eternal death as a ghost, but eternal life in a body. Now watch as all the pieces of the fifth grade teacher's version that didn't fit now come drifting back together. So why did God make a world and call it good? Because he meant for there to be a physical world. And this world is beautiful in its natural state. And we all think so. When I say the world, don't think of it as what we've done to it, all paved and poisoned. But, but think of it as it came to us. And how beautiful that is. And all the places we can go to that still exist in the form that it was given to us in. And that includes the most amazing part of creation of all. The human body. 
How many times have we marveled at the human body and what it's capable of and what it can do and how resilient it is? And that's part of God's intention. All right, now there's a record scratch of another kind going on where we're saying, wait, 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 wait. Okay, eternal earth, uh, bodies. Okay, what happened to heaven? Where'd heaven go? Some of you have had a grandmother or someone dear to you. They've passed away. Clearly, they're not here among us in some resurrected body. So, 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 where, so where are they? At the present moment, as we experience it, heaven and earth are split. And I don't know what the heaven side of the universe looks and feels like exactly because I haven't been there. But I know there are scriptures that speak of it. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says, yes, we are fully confident we would rather be away from these earthly bodies than we would be at home with the Lord. So grandma and whoever it is for you, they are in heaven with God, as the scripture says. But when Jesus returns to reunite heaven and earth, she will be resurrected in a new body. So don't leave in confusion today saying, oh, that Lakeland church, they don't really preach heaven and hell. Those scriptural places are part of our scriptural reality and part of how we understand the universe, but we can't ignore these other scriptures. Like Romans chapter six, since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. 1 Thessalonians 4, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. First, the Christians who have died will be raised from their grave. This is all also part of our story. So this life isn't a test God has us in to escape No, and that's the best part of this good news of Jesus. This life is all about God bringing us back into the world as he created it. We get off of God's plan every time we sin, but he is trying to help us to live in his world on his terms, and his terms include eternal life. And this is why trusting in Jesus matters so much. This is not a matter of picking the right God in a blind taste test. This is about turning over our hearts to the God who is leading you into all the things that you will ever need for eternal life to be a life filled with abundance. Every other world religion has the story that this is a test and which you go off to some other world. But only Jesus says, I meant for this world to endure, and I meant for you to endure, and I come to show you the way. Because if our hearts are rebellious, if our hearts are not apt to follow God, if we go on as we've been doing, always trying to get away with things, always trying to do just the minimum to slide by, saddling each other with legalism and judgment, all will accomplish is turning the new earth back into the old earth. And that can't happen. 
So what God is really looking for is hearts that will follow him for eternity. And he gives us each that choice in one form or another, sometimes many times along the way. If you reject him, if you turn your heart away from him, you are deciding not to be in that kingdom where he reigns. And he will let you be out of that kingdom, although he'd rather for you to be in it. But in order, uh, but for the good of the new earth and everyone in it, those who don't want to follow God cannot be there. Now doesn't this piece of the puzzle, the resurrection, also make the image of God as a father, which scripture says many times, doesn't it make that fit better? Doesn't that line up more with what, those of you who are parents, what you experience as a parent? You're, you're a parent. Some of you are fathers. Uh, you teach your kids uh, hard work. You teach them to think of others. You teach them to rest, to play, to tell the truth, to avoid shortcuts. Now, why do you do all that? So that they won't make you angry. <laughs> Yet you're laughing because that's really not the reason, is it? That's really not the reason. You don't tell your kids. Now, kids, don't take any shortcuts in life because when you do, you make me furious with rage and anger and I will return all Samuel L. Jackson. No. You teach them right and wrong so that they will have life and have it abundantly in the world. Well, that's exactly what Jesus comes to do. He says, I come that you might have life and have it abundantly. So what is sin then? Sin is all the stuff that is bad for us and bad for the new creation. And since God is for us, that's why he hates sin. The same reason all of you parents hate sin in your children. You hate laziness and lying and selfishness when you see it in them. But you don't hate your children. They think you do. But they're not right about that. You hate the sin in their life because you look out and you see if you stay in that pattern, that's going to wreck your life. And I don't want a wrecked life for you. I want you to have life to the full. Jesus speaks to us in the same parental voice. Heaven and earth were split by human sin, and through that split, death came for humanity. But Jesus defeats death and now shows us the way back to life, eternal life. So now we only need to ask one more question this morning. When will I use this resurrection understanding in my everyday life? Well, first, let's do some big, broad strokes that apply to everyone. Let's just talk about the earth itself. The earth itself, do we really need to conserve, care for, and respect it? Or can we use it up, pollute it, and pave it over? Well, the resurrection says this world is a gift from God, so take care of it. What about our bodies? What about food and sleep and exercise and all of our various addictions? 
Do we need to worry about this body or can we trash it up, run it over, fill it full of poison because it's a spacesuit we get to shed someday? Well, the resurrection says that this is as much who we are as our mind and our soul. So learn to care for a body. No wonder so much of the Bible dwells on the topic of care of the body. What about being content? What about avoiding envy? What about thinking of others first? Do we need those character qualities? Or is it all right if I just grump my way through this life? Because in heaven, we become a ghost, and we go to our ghost planet, and we get our most favoritest ghost toys. Well, the resurrection says the earth will be wonderful, and it will be free of sin. But it's not going to grow any bigger so that you can hog all of it you want for yourself. Sharing and contentment will still be a big part of the new kingdom and the new earth. And that's why God puts so much into us learning to live together because that's a skill that we're going to need forever. So learn it well. So those are the types of things that apply to everybody in the room. But what about just you and just your life that's unique from everyone else's? When will you use the resurrection in your everyday eternal life? Well, we talked about math teachers, but uh, some of you are real estate agents. Anybody here a real estate agent or used to be a real estate agent? So you get all these skills, you know, helping people find homes and all it takes to, you know, make sure property is properly understood and move from one to the next. When are you going to use all that stuff in your everyday life? Well, in the new creation, helping the homeless find a home will be a big part of what's going on. Some of those folks for the very first time. And there you'll be. Some of you are kids and you work with young people. How many of you work with, with, with kids and young people? Well, when will you use that stuff in your everyday eternal life? As near as I can tell, the new creation is going to be filled with children needing someone to help them find their way and to learn all the things they need to learn. And that will be you. Some of you sing and you can teach others to sing and some of you work with wood and some of you build things and fix things. Now, when are you going to use that in your everyday eternal life? I don't know about the rest of you, but when I get to my everyday eternal life and I'm not in such a big rush all the time, I'd like to go back and pick up some of these skills that I have missed along the way. Will you be there to teach me? Some of you are from two cultures. You know this culture. And you know another, and maybe some languages too. And that's why racism is such a thing we've got to discard. Because the new creation is, and the new earth is going to include every tribe, every language, and every nation. And the skills we learned in racism will be completely useless there. And those of you who are from two cultures and understand two cultures, you'll probably be an ambassador of some kind helping us understand how two different groups have learned to follow one God. Nothing is useless. Nothing is wasted. If you ask God every day, 
How will I use this in my everyday eternal life? And the scriptures have always said the same. Paul writes 1 Corinthians chapter 15, which is a long chapter about the realities of the resurrection. I just want to share with you the last quarter. He says, For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Then, when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, this scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power. But thank God, he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. So my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. Let's have some fun. Some of you maintain sewer systems for a living. That's what you do for a living. You maintain sewer systems. Will we really have to maintain sewer systems in the eternal earth? Well, Jesus ate that fish... And in a few hours, he's going to have to excuse himself from the table. Oh, yeah, that's right. We're going there. (laughs) But imagine maintaining sewer systems in the kingdom of God, where vendors have set a fair price for all the materials used. And the best, long-lasting materials are offered to you with no tricks. If they say this concrete will last 200 years, that concrete will last 200 years. And people don't fuss about the inconvenience of you digging up their street to get your job done because they realize that system's fairly important. This place gets pretty gross without it. I think we can all take one day off to get some stuff buried. And city leaders in the new kingdom, they aren't cheap. They realize the importance of the work you do. And they pay everyone what it's worth to get it done right the first time. And technicians build you robots that really work and work well to do the ugly parts or the dangerous parts of that job. And everyone shows up for work on time. And everyone stays until the job is done. And the people around you walk out and say, what are you doing? With a plate of cookies and a glass of tea. And thank you for doing such a messy job. And you know what I realize? There isn't any reason on earth why maintaining sewer systems couldn't be like that right now. Nothing I've said is impossible except for human sin. And that's what Jesus has been trying to tell us the whole time. Your sin is wrecking everything. The simplest thing you try to do is made exponentially more complicated and awful by sin. Jesus is showing us both this life and the next with a new clarity. And he shows us that God is not testing us in this world. He's teaching us. He's not punishing us. He's disciplining us, preparing us for eternal life. We can certainly reject him 
and ignore him. Certainly you can do that. But I can't think of any good reason to do it. Far better to let him prepare us for eternal life. And you know what else suddenly makes sense with the resurrection? This, the church. How many of us got up today and said, why am I really going to church? I don't really need this place, and I don't really need these people. I picked the right God in the blind taste test. I only come a couple times a year. By the way, if I don't see you before then, Merry Christmas. (laughs) But now, now that we see this life is not a believe in God test, that this life is preparation for eternal life, that this is childhood and preparation for adulthood and children need a place to grow up. And that this is a family to grow up in and children need a family. The church becomes a place to grow up in and be trained for eternal life. Now what else prepares us for eternal life? There's a lot of things in the world that are fun to do. Facebook, ESPN, Netflix, but not nearly so many things where you invest in your soul and prepare for eternal life. We all need a real place in the body to have real experiences that prepare us for what is to come. And that's why Jesus, immediately after this passage, commissions the creation of the church. And all the pieces come back together. And so I invite you to come back next week. And I hope many weeks after that to join us in what we're all trying to do. To walk a journey with a family that prepares us for his kingdom. For eternal life and for the new earth. Amen. Jesus gives us a meal, if the servers want to come forward, that prepares us, helps us remember this reality, and invites us into it. On the night he was betrayed, Jesus took a loaf of bread, and he said, this is my body broken for you. And then he took a cup, and he said, this cup is my blood of the new covenant. He said, as often as you, uh, he said, it is poured out for the forgiveness of sins, So all those things that are bad for us and bad for the new creation, Jesus says, I know, I know. I forgive you for that. Now, that's not between you and me. Now come follow me and I'll show you another way than all of that. I'll show you a way filled with things that are good for you and good for the new earth. Good for everyone. Follow me. I make this way through my death on the cross. I defeat death. I rise again. I show you this is, this is true. So we come forward and we tear off a piece of bread and we dip it in the cup here and then we receive it into ourselves and uh, we receive his invitation and his forgiveness so there's nothing between us and him and we can walk 
and follow Jesus into this new way that prepares us for everything that is to come. Now, I said earlier there was no reason I could think of to reject God. I could think of one, though, if you really don't believe anything we've been saying here today. It's not a bad reason. If you don't believe it, you don't believe it. So you don't have to come forward and receive the bread and the cup. There's nothing more awkward than participating in a ritual you really don't believe in. But if that's you, I ask you to spend this time thinking about, what if I did step into this reality? What if this is how the universe is? This is the offer God is making, and Jesus is the one through whom he makes it. What would it be like for me to come down and tear off that bread and dip it in the cup and receive that? Because without that, you've got your own record-scratching questions. Like, you know, I look at a flea. Remember, I was a biologist. Sorry. (laughs) But I look at a flea, and I think, how did that happen by accident? And that's just the flea. You You know there's 300? I mean, you have to imagine a lot of random chances to get a working flea. And then, you know, there's 300,000 types of beetle. 300,000 types of beetles. Now, now how many random chances are, are you buying into here to get? We haven't even left the bug world yet. <laughs> You've got quite a story. It's a miracle either way. It's a miracle either way. It is unbelievable either way. But in one, you are alone. And one, there is a God who comes to show you the way home. As long as you're believing the unbelievables, think about which one you're choosing. Okay, enough biology. We don't have time for the entire animal and plant kingdom. All right. So let us stand together and proclaim the mystery of this faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast. Hallelujah. The gifts of God for the people of God. Each day, may Christ be as real to you as this food and this drink. For those who are ready, come forward when you're ready. My name is Becky, and this is my story. In December of 2015, I was sitting in my bedroom, staring at my wall and trying to figure out how my life had gone wrong so quickly. The beginning of the end of a relationship, suddenly having to move from my home, it all hit at once. As I stared at the wall, tears streaming down my face, I talked to God, truly talked to God for the first time in years. I asked him why and how something like this could have happened. I asked him how it could possibly get better. And even though I had no faith that it could, and even though I had shut him out for so long, God was there. In the past year and a half, I got a new job that I love. The steps that led me to that job were astounding. The kind of one in a million shot that in retrospect is definitely God's handiwork. I reconnected with old friends, one of whom I thought I had lost, and I started to enjoy my life and truly live it for the first time. Along with these changes, I came back to my faith, 
a series of events, including Dennis and Diane Barr inviting me regularly for months, running into Jamie Davis for the first time in years, and a friend encouraging me to try church again brought me back to Lakeland. The first time I walked through the doors for service, I felt like I was home. Things are better than I could have ever imagined, although I've struggled in the past year with exploring my faith in depth. The times I did try to go deeper, I stopped, sometimes not sure of what I was doing and other times scared of making that commitment to God. But through small groups like the River and the C.S. Lewis Book Group, and from constant support by the pastors and fellow members, I've continued forward on my spiritual journey. I'm slowly starting to learn more about using my gifts and passions, such as working with kids, something I do for my job, and something I've continued to do through respite care. God has shown me that there is truly light in darkness, and I don't know if I would have the same amount of passion, joy, and gratitude for my life as it is now if I wouldn't have hit rock bottom. It was a powerful realization that so often he is there, not in grand gestures, but in the small, quiet moments of everyday life when I least expect him. And I want to thank you, Lakeland, because during those dark times, you all have been there for me. And I wouldn't be where I am today without your love and support. My name is Becky, and this is my story. He is risen. He is risen indeed. May the peace of the Lord Christ go with you. Wherever he may send you, May he guide you through the wilderness, protect you through the storm. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing once again into our doors. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Go in peace.